Blog Talk Radio. Uh, the 
the little ones definitely kept us on our toes. And I do mean literally, because they had us running around all the all around the sanctuary. <laughs> but uh, I I was glad that we had it. Uh, the kids loved it. They had a wonderful time coloring, crafting, singing. Uh, you know, Vacation Bible School is an awesome time, along with uh, Sabbath school, Sunday school, or whatever you whatever things you may do at your church. It's a wonderful time of getting children to learn about their uh, their roles in the church and, of course, about Jesus Christ. And Vacation Bible School is very dear to me because um, I learned a whole lot about ministry at Vacation Bible School, you know, learning. <laughs> I, I got to sit with the big people sometimes, especially as I got older, you know, when I started preaching. uh I wasn't able to sit in the youth pre- in the youth classes anymore because I was a preacher. So I would sit with the adults and all those kind. Of, you know, it, it was kind of awkward, but hey, it was still fun. And um, I just love, I love it. Uh, also, my, you know, uh, two of my brothers got baptized during vacation Bible school. Only after I kind of hunched them up to the chair. You know, if you ever been to a Baptist chair, Baptist. Uh, Church. I don't know if they still do this, but they used to put chairs out in the aisle, you know, in front, and you would walk down and you sit in the chair, and you, you know, that was your public profession of faith. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but it brings back so much memories. There's a lot to talk about this week uh, or today. Uh, it is day 84 of the oil spill, and you know, it's still making news. People are still complaining. Uh, if I understand it correctly. Um, some people were supposed to get checks on July 7th, but they didn't, and they're, now they're wondering when money is going to come. And uh, if you've been watching the news, they they uh, took off one of the caps because they're going to put on another one and hopefully have everything sealed up this week. And uh, along with that big old three football field long ship that they're bringing in to uh, keep all the oil or store all the oil, bring it up. So that's still a lot going on. I think the most hype, most hyped event of last week had to have been LeBron James. <laughs> Everybody, you guys know, I'm not too much of a Cavaliers fan, um, but uh, LeBron James took the he took the cake. I mean, there was so much media hype about him being a free agent, who he's going to go to, if he was going to stay in Cleveland, if he's going to go to the Knicks uh, or Chicago. And, of course, you know, everybody was anticipating all of this. So he held an hour-long special on ESPN. I mean, this is all – This is. <laughs> I don't really know what to say about it. Hour-long special just to announce that he would not be staying in Cleveland, but instead will be joining Dwayne Wade and Chris Boss in South Beach on the Miami Heat roster. And, you know, the funny thing about this – uh, the funny thing about this is the way the fans reacted in Cleveland, burning jerseys and all this stuff. Uh, it's just something else. And the team, met, the uh, majority team owner, wrote an open letter to to the fans announcing his disgust and everything. But I'm gonna talk about that later on, uh, not in this program because this program I'm dedicating to uh, memory of Walter. Bishop uh, Walter Hawkins, and I'll talk about that a little later. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, uh, so be looking forward to that. I also wrote a wrote about it in the blog, so you can read about that thing, uh, that situation in the blog. I was going to talk about that today, but um, I'm going to uh, yield to this other thing uh, with Bishop Hawkins. Um, uh, oh yeah, the verdict for the police officer who accidentally shot uh, a young man in Oakland, California, came out last week. And they moved the trial from Oakland to Los Angeles, uh, you know, because they they feared rioting and all of that. Um, Now, here's the interesting thing. When the verdict came out, the verdict came out as guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Now, some people were highly upset at that verdict. Now, if you're not aware of the story, this is the story. Um, a young man was in the transit in the officer's transit system of, of Oakland, and 
officers got into it with him, or he got it, they were trying to arrest him. But nonetheless, I'm not sure if he resisted arrest or anything. But the officer, uh, one of the arresting officers, had a stun gun, and he thought he had the stun gun in his hand, but it accidentally pulled his service revolver, service uh, pistol, or his service gun, and shot the man, killed the man. And of course, you know, you know, they were saying it was racially motivated and all of this. Um, I, I don't know about all the details. I'm just going back, um, you know, from what I read. But um, the, when the verdict came out, um, there was a lot of upset. Matter of fact, people likened it to the verdict of Rodney King uh, in the uh, in the early '90s, and there was rioting in in Oakland, and there was you know protest, of course, in Los Angeles as a result of the verdict. Now. I never understood. I talked about rioting last week, uh, once before, when those guys, those protesters at the G8 summit were rioting. But they were rioting the police and, you know, doing that. I don't understand rioting after a verdict, you know, things don't go your way. I, I don't understand that. and it, it really doesn't make any sense to me. I can understand the frustration and, and agitation of what may be considered an injustice, a great injustice uh, to some. But why take it out on stores and steal TVs and radios and clothes that has nothing to do with a verdict? That has nothing to do with the entire situation. Uh, and you know we could go on and talk about that forever. <laughs> Anybody can rant about that, but it just doesn't make any sense to me that you're going to riot because of a verdict. But hey, what do I know? <laughs> um, oh yeah, Spain. Spain won the World Cup yesterday, and they are celebrating like crazy. And they're the first Europeans uh, to win in a while, and they they've won it, and it's going to be back in the European soil, or the their first Europeans to win it uh, off European soil. So, and um, if you're not aware, the German octopus <laughs> predicted that Spain would win over the Netherlands, and so. Spain won, and I guess that's a good thing. Maybe I should give me a predicting octopus and, and maybe able to win the lottery. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a couple of other news I want to share with you. Um, after 30 years of fear and anxiety, residents of South Los Angeles are, are resting now because DNA has led to the arrest of a 53-year-old Lonnie Franklin Jr., who was dubbed as the Grim Sleeper. Now, he is charged with the murder of at least 10 black women in South L.A., and he's been, a living, he's been living in broad daylight, <laughs> eluding the police because of his criminal record. And the, article, what I, the article I read said that his criminal record never merited him being arrested and sent to state prison. Now, these, uh, these strings of murders began in the late 80s, and they called him the Grim Sleeper because of... Um, you know, nobody could figure him out, and he usually killed them when I was sleeping. Um, and they went uninvestigated in L.A. for years, for decades, uh, for for years. They went uninvestigated. And people were speculating because uh, the, the police did want to investigate it, didn't put forth effort because it was in, you know, a predominantly black neighborhood, and therefore, it wasn't a big deal. And y'all know how you know how it is when it comes to crime and blacks. Uh, we commit crimes. We have children that go missing. We have black women that go missing, and it never makes the front page. However, you know it does make the front front page when we kill each other. Uh, but we have a serial killer, a black serial killer on the loose, with women being killed, and you know it it goes unreported. It's been cold cases for years, and. And finally, do the DNA testing. They find this guy. Now, here, here's the killing thing, you know. Um, one of the victims was killed in July 2003. And they said that, it says that um, Franklin should have been in jail. But he was released because of overcrowding. Now, isn't that something? Well, that says a lot. Um, here, this, this criminal, this murderer, who has petty crimes on his record. Now, he's committing murders 
but he's going to jail for petty crimes like robbery, uh, you know, uh, not armed robbery, just burglary, simple burglary, um, car theft and things like that, and they're letting him go. They're not even bothered to investigate him, and now all these years later, DNA proves that he is the murderer, serial killer. And they're thinking that they are linking him. They're trying to link him to at least uh, a dozen other murders that they have gone unsolved. So, man, I, I, you know, we're learning more and more that black folk are just like white folk in some ways. <laughs> uh, it's been six months since the earthquake in Haiti. There's still cleanups that's been done. Um, the government is saying that only about 108. 128,000 people have their home, have their homes rebuilt, and there's still thousands of people living in tent cities in and around Port-au-Prince, the capital. Uh, today, uh, President Clinton, ex-former President Clinton, and President Obama are making their way down to Haiti. Uh, they are going to look around and see the progress that's been made in uh, reconstruction efforts. And they're also meeting with the president, and they're meeting in a newly rebuilt presidential palace, and that was almost totally destroyed. And that sends a, a great sense of hope for the people. So I'm encouraging, I'm strongly encouraging you, you know, keep those people in your prayers. Keep continuing to give um, to uh, the Haitian cause. There's still plenty of work to be done. There's still a lot of people suffering. There's still uh, so much help that needs to go. Matter of fact, if you want to do a mission trip, uh, I strongly encourage you, those who are active in your church, to organize a mission trip down to Haiti and do some work. You know, everybody responded immediately after the hurricane, uh, the earthquake, but there's still much to be done. And it's, hur- it's hurricane season. I'm thinking ahead, so I'm talking ahead. But it's also hurricane season, and this is an even greater uh, time uh, because these folks are living down in those tents. So, you know, they, they're going to need some help should a hurricane come in our area. Thank God nothing's happened so far. We're praying that we don't have a bad hurricane season, but there is going to be a great need for assistance and prayer on those parts. And finally, this is this is the final news report that I'm going to share before we go to break. Uh, Chrysler has announced that as of Friday, they will no longer be producing the PT Cruiser. Oh, I know a lot of people out there are really sad. <laughs> I know some of you are so sad that this little car would not be made anymore. And I tell you, when they first came out, I think everybody thought the same thing. Everybody like, what in the world is this? I, you know, personally, I have a love-hate relationship with the PT Cruiser. I, I, you know, they're good to look at, but then every time I look at it, I'm thinking, Oh, my God, it looks too much like a hearse. <laughs> Every time I see one, I'm like, oh, my God, is there a dead body in there somewhere? <laughs> but, no, seriously, it was, it, it, it was one of those fads that you just, you know, some people just joined the back, hopped on the bag wagon and got one. And it's funny. It's like these little Scion cars, too, these little box cars. You know, it's, it's, I like I could, you know, those, those look like the cars I was drawing when I was in elementary school or something. But, yeah. Chrysler has announced the last one rolled off the assembly line on Friday. And uh, so, you know, now it's going to be a, a, a collector's item more than likely. So if you keep it up, it might be worth something. <laughs> Maybe worth uh, collecting. Today's show, um, I was going to talk about um, new, the new hot commodity. And like I said earlier, I was going to talk about LeBron and all those things uh, surrounding black athletes. But Today's show is going to be largely dedicated as a tribute to legendary gospel singer, choir director, pastor, and bishop Walter Hawkins Sr. Uh, Walter Hawkins died yesterday morning uh, from pancreatic cancer. And um, if you're not aware, if you have no idea about Walter Hawkins, he, his brother uh, Edwin, uh, his ex-wife Tremaine, they had this group called the Hawkins Family, and they put out a string of hits. Matter of fact, uh, one of their hits, Oh Happy Day, uh, became one of the first gospel crossover hits in American history. And uh, it topped it. It peaked at number four on the charts uh, in the U.S. for R&B, gospel, and all that stuff. And they set trend. And he went on to record with his uh, Church Choir Love Alive series. And um, he was an awesome, 
awesome singer, musician, and he's going to be greatly missed. So we're going to spend a great deal of this, uh, the rest of this broadcast, um, listening to his music and addressing uh, some of the issues of the church and um, the gospel music. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will start our tribute to uh, the late, great Bishop Walter Hawkins. We'll be right back after this. Walter's brother was putting together a choir for 
the northern jurisdiction of the Church of God in Christ. And he put together this choir, and, and um, they were raising money for their church so they could tour or do something, you know. Um, but anyway, they, in order to raise money, they put on a choir concert. And one of the songs that they put on the concert, uh, that they recorded on their album, was Oh Happy Day. And Oh Happy Day went on to become the first major hit for this group. So at this time, we're going to play Oh Happy Day for you. So sit back now. If you if you feel like shouting, you're going you're gonna, to, because some of these songs you're going to shout on, I tell you, I, I, I already got mine on. So some of these you're going to shout on. So we're going to play Oh Happy Day for you right now.
All right, that was the uh, Edwin Hawkins and the Jurisdictional Choir singing "Old Happy Day." Um, now this song was he drew inspiration from a hymn. The hymn was entitled "Old Happy Day That Fixed My Soul," um, written by Philip Doddridge in uh, the 18th century, and um, it's a very moving hymn. And I tell you, that song is good. And like, like I was saying before, gospel music drives the church. Gospel music, gospel music is what brings people into the church, and what a lot of times keep people into the church. In the church, um, I have a background in, in gospel choir. I sang in gospel choirs, and I played in gospel. I played for churches, uh, for gospel choirs. As a matter of fact, I still do. And the gospel music industry has been flourishing since the late 20th century. Uh, you know, you had the Clara, Clara Ward singers, you had um, the Caravans, you had uh, Mahalia Jackson, you had uh, Mighty Clouds of Joy and all other great quartet groups. And, and then uh, it began to transcend, you know, the, the church, especially in the, the late 60s and early 70s, when gospel music artists like Rance Allen began to break out of the church and they became a little bit more mainstream. And you had others like the staple singers that were gospel singers. You know, they were gospel, but they sang secular songs. And, but all that was phenomenal. And the Hawkins family was at the forefront. And I, I dare not forget Andre, Couch, Andre Crouch. Um, these guys paved the way for what is now known as the contemporary gospel music uh, industry. You know, they brought in the, the choirs. And later on we're going to talk about uh, guys like the Reverend James Cleveland, uh, Reverend Clay Evans, um, Reverend Milton Bronson, and, uh, and so many others who uh, brought out the gospel choir that was limited to the church. And, um, and now that builds the church and drives the church. I'm going to play for you one other song here real quick. Now, if you've ever been to a funeral, <laughs> I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad, I know. But if you've been to any black funeral at, it, at most black churches, you're going to hear this song either as they're viewing the body and, you know, passing around or the body is going out. I'm going up yonder. Now I know y'all probably wondering, I ain't got nothing to do with funerals. That's, that's a bad, that's a bad connection. You know, it probably was. But I tell you, I love this song. I, you know, I, I love hearing it and I love singing it. So right now we're going to play uh, this classic, "Going Up Yonder," Walter Hawkins. We're still waiting. Okay, it seems like we're having some technical difficulties with that one. Uh, let's see if we can pull something else up real quick. Live radio, I tell you, is a wonderful thing, but it's a hard thing, too. <laughs> let's see here. We're going to try it. One more thing, and I'm going to see if we can bring this up. If not, we're just going to keep going in our discussion about uh, gospel music. Now, gospel music today, for me, is not the same as it was, you know, uh, 20 and 30 years ago. Um, you got different, you know, as more people try to be contemporary and keep up with the world, they're losing uh, the traditional audience, which is, really not a good thing at all because once you lose the audience you have nowhere to go you have uh, there's nothing that you could do nowhere you could go to uh bring it back and we are really experiencing some technical difficulties here so hold on for a moment we'll take a quick break and come back right after this
All right. Uh, I want to apologize for the technical delays that we've been having. But, uh, you know, hey, it's live radio, and every now and then it goes on. Listen, you can call in and leave your comments at 1-917-388-4293. Drop us an email, ltneal at cox.net. Uh, we're in the chat room live, so you can join us in the chat room if you like um, and leave some inf- uh, leave some comments there. Feel free to read the blog and leave comments. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. All of that. Uh, we don't have much time, so I'm going to get to some of those great songs that he did. And I know this was one of my favorite ones growing up. And we say it in the church all the time. Don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now.
I was getting my shot on it. Now y'all see why I'm not a DJ. <laughs> I'm going to stick to what I do best, preach. <laughs> uh, i got a couple more I want to play for you. Um, uh, this uh, this is one probably I learned as a kid, and I think everybody probably know. Uh, be grateful. Play a small snippet of that, and then we're going to close out on two of his favorite ones. Is not 
Come on, slip in. 